Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I want to talk about giving thanks today. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul has been writing to this wonderful church at Thessalonica. And he gives them directive I didn't go back and look at this, but I feel very confident that in the Greek it's written in the imperative. It's a command. But hopefully you don't have to give thanks because somebody's telling you to. Forced gratitude, I don't know if it's much gratitude at all, is it? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, in everything, give thanks. <clears throat> in everything, give thanks. For this is what God wants. How do you like that translation? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. For everybody else but you. Is that what it says? What does it say? For you. Look at somebody. Help me preach one more time. Look at somebody next to you and say, he's talking to you. And then you can be seated. I want to begin today by telling you something that I firmly believe and I think you would amen me on. There is always a reason to give thanks. There's always a reason to give thanks. It reminds me of a story. A man needed his pants ironed. He gave them to his wife. She was happy to iron them, but as she ironed them, she burned a hole in them. They were brand new pair of pants. He wanted to wear them. He was excited and First, he started to get mad, but he thought, no, I've got to handle this differently. And so he was struggling. He wanted to do what would please the Lord. And so instead of getting mad at his wife, he just got spiritual and said, thank you, Lord, that my legs weren't in those pants. (laughs) There's always a reason to give thanks. If you have been saved from your sins and God has transformed you and you are his child and he is your father, I really mean this with all my heart. It should be easy for you to carry an attitude of gratitude. Saved people are grateful people. If you're not, maybe you need to go back and check what version of salvation you got. Because I've found saved people are grateful to God for what he's done for them. And the, and the worst, let's see, and the worse your situation was, the more grateful you are. And that's biblical. That's in the Bible. To, to whom much is forgiven, that person lo- is, loves a whole lot more. And so if God saved you, you you ought to be grateful. There's an old song. I remember Nancy Harmon used to sing it, but I think it actually comes out of the Bible. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, tell me where would I be? And that's the way we feel. Everything I have comes from him. Everything I am, everything that I've become to this point today is because of him. And and this gratefulness, I'm just going to, be a, I'm going to be a pastor for a minute, just go down a rabbit trail, but it's a good rabbit t- trail. This, this gratefulness should especially and definitely be manifested when you come to church. 
if you are guilty of just sitting there and doing nothing, we can remedy that. Just think about one thing that God's done for you. And just open your mouth and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The psalmist in Psalm 100, verse 4, it's a really popular psalm, but he said, enter, and he's talking to the church, and I don't think he's just talking to people who went into the temple. I think he's talking to people today in the 21st century who come to church. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his faithfulness endures all generation. And when I look at that verse, see, it speaks to me two things. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and then be thankful is the second thing. So I look at this, I choose to look at this is come in with an attitude of gratitude. Come in with thanksgiving inside of you. Does that make sense? You should come in already grateful. You should walk in this house with a, with a mindset of appreciation, standing in his presence. It should be easy for you as we sing these songs and we're moderating, we're inspiring and ultimately preaching. It should be easy for you to say, God has been so good to me. I need to tell him thank you. You have an attitude of gratitude, but then you have to do it. Be thankful. Be thankful. Do it. Do something. It's not enough to think it. It's not enough to have it in your mind. It's got to come out of your mouth. You have to express it. You have to say out loud, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me. There's a phrase we use that a lot of people have no idea what it means, but if you ever heard somebody talk about priming a pump, or if you didn't grow up in the the country or you didn't grow up back in the day, I did in Pennsylvania where I grew up, people did not have running water in their house. They had a well with a pump. And you went outside with a bucket and you pumped and I'm not that old, but that's just the way it was where I grew up. And they, they, you'd have to pump. And as you pumped, the water was pulled up out of the well and went into the bucket. And that's how. Well, sometimes air got in the line or whatever, and you were pumping and nothing would happen. And you'd have to prime the pump. You'd have to pour a little water down in the hole where the pump was. And, and it would prime it. And then as it went in, then it would get the thing working. It would start working. you prime the pump. You got the image in your mind? You know, the problem with a lot of people is they come to church and they're expecting the praise team to prime their pump. Yeah. I'm mad. I'm upset. I'm cold. I'm indifferent. I didn't pray this week. I don't care. Y'all do, do what you're supposed to do and get me going. Sing my song. Oh, I ain't going to get any amens on this, but I don't care. Sing it long enough. Sing it hard enough. Sing it enough times. Whatever. Whatever it is. It's, it's prime my pump. That's not the job of the praise team. The praise team leads people who already come in with an attitude of gratitude and with thanksgiving in their heart. you already supposed to be primed for you got here. You with me? Okay. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Take care of that on the parking lot before you get in here. Now, if you're going through grief or sorrow or trouble, bring that in here with you. Jesus will help you with that. But if you just got an attitude or you're indifferent or you're apathetic or you're complacent or you're lethargic, help him, Lord. Help him, Jesus. Help our preacher this morning, God. Help him, Jesus. Okay, then that's, that's on you. 
Oh, help him, Lord. He didn't get enough turkey yesterday, Thursday. Help him, Jesus. I didn't get any turkey. <clears throat> the Hebrew word for thanks and thanksgiving is the Hebrew word yada. And it means to acknowledge or declare publicly. And I put in my notes, giving thanks to God is never just a private matter. God wants you to go public with your praise. So like some of you right now are just shouting it out because you can't hold it in. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to just say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, God, for what you've done for me. Let's get to the text. Paul said, in everything, give thanks. What he does not say is for everything. Because there are some things that happen in my life I am not thankful for. And if anybody ever tells you you ought to be thankful for them, tell them they they dumb. Just dumb. I ain't thankful for that at all. Okay, you, you can be thankful in things, but you don't have to be thankful for some things. And that's the point. Whatever I'm going through, I can still give God praise. I can still show my appreciation. I can find a reason to thank him. And, and, and so let me just teach here. This means that my external circumstances should not, and I should be able to go ahead and say, do not control my praise and worship. It is my continual internal state of being a child of God with the Lord living inside of me through the Holy Spirit that controls my ability to praise the Lord, right? So this woman named Donna Alley, and we've sung it here before. It's an older song, but Donna Alley wrote this song that said, in everything, give him thanks. In everything, give him thanks. In the good times, praise his name. We like that. She went on to say, and in the bad times, do the same. In everything, give the king of kings all the things. And I think the perfect example of this, and Donna Alley even wrote a verse in that song, but I want to preach it, is Job. And Job was a wealthy man, and Job was a blessed man. Job had lots of children. Job had it going on. And Job loved the Lord, and he lived for the Lord. And he was grateful for everything that God had done for him. But in one day... All of his children were tragically killed. In one day, he lost all of his wealth. In one day, he lost his health and had infectious boils full of pus. And he was out where they broke through the broken pot, pots, clay pots, taking the pieces and scraping the boils and busting them open to get the pus out, to get the infection out, to get relief. How's that for, for being in a really bad place? Can you, can you still praise him when you've lost everything? Can you still praise him when tragedy strikes? Can you still praise him when your health is gone? Can you still praise him, listen to me, when physically you don't feel like praising him? When mentally you can't think straight, when emotionally you're a wreck, and spiritually you're just hanging on. Somehow Job did it and said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Then he had a little praise service. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And somehow in the midst of it all, you can always find reasons to express thanks in sickness or in health, in the mountain or in the valley, when life is going good, when life stinks, when you feel God and when you don't feel God. You can find a reason to still praise him and thank him for what he's done for you. And I love that Paul says that giving thanks in everything is God's will for your life. It's what he wants from you. 
and I, I, I look at the Bible and I really try to be pragmatic about it. And I know that when I do something for someone, I, I don't necessarily do it for this reason, but I like it. I like it. I appreciate it when somebody is appreciative. Aren't y'all the same way? Like when I do something for somebody and then I get an expression of gratitude and they say, thank you. I'll be honest. I like that. And so I think God is the same way. I think when God does something good for you, and he does it all the time, morning by morning, new mercies I see, great is thy faithfulness. Okay, then he just wants to hear us say thank you. Because no parent, how many know God's our father? No parent wants to raise an ungrateful kid. Right? So my my mother, who obviously is the great-grandmother to my grandchildren, Mamma Great, it's a star. She's Mamaw Grace, a star. Uh, spoils those children. And she carries those little, are they called sweeties? Is that what they're called? I think I put it, smarties. Oh, smarties. I had to write it down. You know, little, little sulfane sul, sul, smarties. Oh, mom keeps them in her purse. And we'll go out to eat. And then they all gather around and mom's purse opens and out comes smarties. And my dad had a tradition <clears throat> All those years, when my boys were small, dad kept, however many number of grandchildren there were, he kept a quarter in his pocket. And there was one, and when there was two, there was two, three, and four, five, six, however many grandkids there were, he kept those. And then the grandkids came along, he kept quarters in his pocket. How many of y'all know where I'm going with this? Okay, if you don't, learn. Teach you here. And, And so when you go to a restaurant, and there's a gum machine, I get it now, now because it's all on me. Papa, you got a quarter? All right, number one, nobody carries quarters anymore, right? I got a debit card. <clears throat> but I have to keep dollar bills with me, and I'll say, I can get, nope, but I can get some. And don't you think I go over there to that cash register and I get quarters, okay? And so, you know, I got Jaron with his three, and I, I get, there's three boys, Sadie's too young. She'll get twice as much as whatever she wants, because she's the girl. We've already, I've already established that. And so I'll get four quarters worth a dollar, and so I'll give Bo one, I'll give Barrett one, I'll give Brooks one. There's one left. I look at Jaron. You want it? And he never, he never tells me no. <laughs> and then they go to the gum machine and they get gum. What I've noticed each and every time is that their sweet, beautiful mother, Mary Beth, every time mom does it, every time I does it, I do it. Mom always says, Mary Beth always says, tell Mamma great thank you. Tell Papa, tell Papa thank you for that. And what my sweet, beautiful daughter-in-law is doing is she's making sure she doesn't raise spoiled boys. That's my job to spoil them. It's her job to unspoil them. <laughs> Did you get that? Okay, so, so Papa, that's my job. It's, it's, it's in my job description. Like the, I think it's the only part of my job description, just spoil the grandkids, okay. But her job is to make sure they know how to be grateful. You with me? Evan and Elizabeth were with us for a few days. They had to go back, of course, but they were at the house. They stayed with us, and we just enjoyed that. We had a wonderful time, but, but we would do things for August, and, uh, and man, that little boy loves me. Oh, and I love him so much. Like Evan told me one day, he said, Dad, I figured it out. He said, the pecking order is you, then me, then Elizabeth. He said, you're at the, you beat me and Elizabeth. I said, well, 
what it is. But my beautiful, wonderful daughter-in-law, Elizabeth, would do the same thing. Tell Papa, I'll thank you every time I do something. You don't want to raise spoiled kids, ungrateful kids. And God is so good to you. You cannot count all the blessings in your life. I love the saying, the favor of God is not fair because the favor goes to the kids and that's us, right? So the favor of God is not fair. People at work can't understand why you get a promotion and they don't. Why do you get a pay raise and they don't? Why do you get all the good clients and they don't? Why do good things happen to you but not to them? It's called the favor of God and yeah, it ain't fair, okay? We love that, but the favor of God can spoil you. And it's tempting to take for granted God's goodness. So let me just say this. God doesn't want to raise ungrateful kids. Y'all getting it? He doesn't want to raise ungrateful kids. So being grateful, telling your heavenly father, thanks you, thank you, keeps you grateful for him and his many blessings, and it keeps you from getting spoiled. I love millennials. I do. I've proven that. Every millennial in this church knows I love you. I'm your biggest fan. But the poor millennials, and we have a lot of millennials in this church, but the poor millennials have gotten a bad rap because there's an unfair stereotype about millennials, lots of them. One of them is that their, their generation has a sense of entitlement. And if you haven't heard that, it's, it's out there. And, and an entitled person basically thinks they're owed something intrinsically. Okay, I just, because, just because I am who I am and just because I'm existing and breathing, I should get ABC, name it, I should get it. And so some millennials, and this is true, there are some millennials that have been guilty of asking for a higher salary than what they're worth. They come straight out of college. Yeah, I want to be made, I want to, I want to be paid $200,000 a year. Why? You've never worked, you've never done anything in this field. I know, but I'm worth it. You don't pay me that, I'm going somewhere else. And that's what's happening. And, uh, and then you have some that are expecting a good job immediately after graduating college just because you earn a degree. And, and so they have this sense of entitlement, okay? Um, the idea is that millennials were raised by baby boomers and, and Gen X parents who spoiled them. So why are we blaming the millennials? It sounds like it was the parents' fault. And all the millennials said, amen. That's what I thought. But they were awarded participation trophies just for showing up to competitive events. Some of them never had to work hard. Some of them never experienced loss. You need to lose. Amen. I hate to lose. Personally, I hate to lose. Okay? But you need to lose. Because you're not always going to win in life. You got to l- listen to me. This spiritual? Yeah, it is. You better learn how to lose. Well, let's don't even go to gracefully. Let's just start to lose. Just need to learn how to lose. Some of you are going to learn how to lose kicking and screaming all the way. Okay? Some people grow up believing the world owes them something. Here's the truth I found. Many millennials don't fit that stereotype at all. I have, I have millennials that are working for me, that are under my employment. They're some of the hardest working uh, employees that I have. They're committed to going through the process. They understand I'm not where 
I need to be, I need to go through the process. And this is the leadership training coming out of me. You can never shortchange the process. If you shortchange the process, you shortchange yourself. You have to pay your dues. You have to go through things. You need to fail a few times. You're not worth your salt until you fail. Are you hearing me? Yeah, I'm worth it. I'm worth, no, you're not because you haven't done anything. First of all, you never failed. Mess up a few times and show me how you handle it. See if you grow from it and if you learn from it. Okay. Amen, Pastor. Good preaching. That tryptophan is still working. Is that what you call that stuff? I don't know what you call that stuff. So that's one truth. The other truth I found is you don't have to be a millennial to have a sense of entitlement. And I love all the senior adults, but I, not, so none of, none of you in this church, okay, out in Anderson. But I've met a few senior adults who acted like the world owed them everything and I needed to get out of their way. Now I got all the senior adults mad at me. I wasn't talking about you. You're not like that. But if you struggle with a sense of entitlement, I guarantee you, you live with frustration. I guarantee you, you're unhappy. And I guarantee you, you are disappointed overall with life. I guarantee you, you blame others or the environment for your personal disappointment. And you probably fight depression and you probably have feelings of isolation. Having a sense of entitlement is not a healthy thing and it's not a spiritual thing. Y'all still with me? So this doesn't sound like a psychology class. It's not a spiritual thing. It's not a, it's not a child of God thing. Psychologists say feeling entitled typically follows a very vicious three-step cycle. When you're entitled, you always feel vulnerable to the threat of unmet expectations. So when your expectations aren't met, then it can lead to dissatisfaction and other emotions like anger and a sense of being cheated. And then three, you try to fix the situation and then you console yourself through reassurance that you deserve everything you've ever wanted, which then just reinforces the same entitled behavior. And I found that Christians can get a sense of entitlement too. Such as, well, God owes me. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Things should always go my way because I'm a child of God. That's a sense of entitlement. But that's not how it works. You're not entitled to the blessings of God. You're not entitled to the graciousness of God, okay? That's what makes it grace. He just does it because he wants to, not because he has to. That's what we should never forget. Y'all with me? This is key. You got to learn this. This is, this is like fundamental. He doesn't have to. He wants to. So I read the story of a little boy who wanted his mother to pay him for all of his chores. And he wrote her a note, and this is what it read. For washing the dishes, you owe me a dollar. For cleaning my room, you owe me a dollar. For hanging up my clothes, you owe me a dollar. For mowing the lawn, you owe me a dollar. Mama, you owe me pay up. And he printed her a bill totaling $4 and gave it to her. So his wise and benevolent mother put $4 on the table with her own note for carrying you nine months and being sick as a dog, no charge for staying up all night with you when you were sick, 
no charge for working overtime so that I could buy you those special tennis shoes you wanted no charge for entertaining your friends when you wanted to bring them over without notice no charge signed your mother who loves you total zero and after reading the note the little boy realized listen to me he had lost sight of the goodness of his mother and so I just want to remind you today as I come to a close God doesn't owe you anything you owe him everything yeah If it weren't for Jesus, you'd be nothing. If it weren't for Jesus, you would have nothing. If it weren't for Jesus, your life would mean nothing. All that you have, all that you are is a result of God's wonderful, amazing grace. Every blessing in your life is a manifestation of his incredible, unfathomable love. And that's it. You're a recipient of his graciousness. I want you to stand with me, and I want to close very pragmatic today. Matter of fact, let's do this. Let's do this. So the service is not over. If you leave, then you're going to miss out on the best part. I want everybody to join me in the altar because I want to have a Thanksgiving altar service, and then I'll let you go. But I want you to come down here on this Thanksgiving Sunday. So if you just come down here and join with me. I love to go to church and be inspired and blessed and, and uh, shout. I love it. But I also love to leave with something. Give me a little something, Pastor. Give me a little something to help me. That, so that's where my pragmatism really comes in. So I'm going to give you three things, three practical things. Man, if you have trouble with this, I'm about to help you. Lady, same thing. Three things, very simple. And then we're going to have a Thanksgiving altar service. The way to overcome a sense of entitlement is to practice gratitude and humility. That's how you overcome entitlement. You stop saying people owe me something and you just say, man, I'm just grateful for what I have. That's what you do. And just be humbled that somebody gave you a chance. So here's the three things. Number one, when you pray, and I've, I've taught you this before, but I, I want to teach it again. This is very important to me. I practice this personally. When you pray, spend a lot of time thanking God. A lot. The vast majority of my prayer time is spent in expressions of gratitude and praise and worship. Our Father who art in heaven. Finish it. That, is, that teaches us how to pray and it teaches us begin with praise and worship and gratitude so when I pray I'll say our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name Papa God I praise you and thank you for this day thank you for that blue sky and sunshine because I'm a blue sky sunshine kind of person and even when it rains God thank you for the rain because we're in a drought thank you for the rain thank you for your goodness thank you for your mercy Thank you for all of your blessings. Thank you for meeting my daily bread, supplying all of my needs according to riches and glory. God, thank you for favor with you and with man. Thank you for wisdom, knowledge, insight, understanding. Thank you, God, for revelation, illumination. You show me things so I can preach to high praises and minister to people throughout the week. 
Thank you, God, for joy and peace and love and faith and hope and your strength and your comfort and your encouragement and courage when I need it. Thank you, God, for divine help because I can't tell me how many times, God, that I have had something hit me and I've cried out to you for help, God, and every time you show up and you help me. Thank you for that. Now, I just gave you the first five minutes of my own personal praise and prayer time. You say, you say, you say that every day? Pretty much. That's how I start my prayer every day because... All those things happen every day and I'm grateful for them. And I throw other stuff in. But that's how I start my, my prayer. I'm teaching you. Spend time. To, I tell him thank you. The one thing I will not stand before God and he say, you are so ungrateful. I don't want to ever hear that. I want him to know this is, my son is grateful. I don't know why I get to pastor you. I don't know why I get to pastor this church. I don't understand it. But I tell God all the time, I can't do this without you. I'm a veteran, y'all. I've been doing this for 35 years. I could just I could just flow out of all the years of experience and education and all, but I've realized that's not what gets you there. It is the help of God. And I tell him constantly, I can't do this without you. And I tell him, thank you for the privilege to pastor high praises. Uh, thank you, God. I tell him that. Do you understand? I'm just trying to show you. That's one thing. Every day, spend a lot of time just telling him thank you. Okay? Number two, when something good happens to you, you know people who do this. Okay? Be one of those people. When something good happens to you, say out loud, thank you, Jesus. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Now, if, if you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, you can. Because you say stuff out loud all the time. You say stupid stuff out loud all the time. Okay. You, you say stuff all the time. So, yeah, you can. Just something good happens. I do it. Oh, thank you. All right. Something, something good happens, all right. Something, somebody, something, I don't know. Something happens. Whatever. Pick something. Thank you, Jesus. Say it out loud. And you say, what's that? Yeah, see, that's you saying, I acknowledge. But what if somebody else did it for me? Well, you thank them too. Woo, thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in whom there is a variation or shadow of turning. May have come may have come through them, but it came from y'all getting it. Y'all getting it. Y'all getting it. May it come through them, but it came from. Oh, y'all getting it. Okay. So spend a lot of time praising and thanking him. Number one. Number two, when something good happens, practice it. Say it out loud. Thank you, Jesus. And the third one is when something not so good occurs. Look for the good and thank God for it. family members in a car wreck the cars totaled I had this happen to Jaron when he was playing baseball in college he was in Newmarket Virginia could not help it the road conditions were bad the drivers he couldn't help it he's a good driver had to try to get, keep from running in the back of somebody hitting a wreck because everybody else did the wrong things flipped his car I think four times Jaron where are you how many times was it you don't remember. He just, he flipped it, totaled his car. Jaron 
I mean, Evan, Lee, and I were at Myrtle Beach on vacation when the phone rang and he called and said, Dad, hold on, don't get upset, I'm okay. But I flipped my car and I've totaled it. But he walked out of it with just a couple scratches. You know what, you can replace a car. But I said, thank you, Jesus, that my boy's okay. Thank you, God, my boy's okay. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.